reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parts places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots to the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else, and it's perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart, to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. The word of the Lord. Happy are they who hope in the Lord. Happy are they who hope in the Lord. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. Happy, Happy are they who hope in the Lord. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither in all that they do they prosper happy are they who open the Lord the wicked are not so but are like shall that the wind drives away for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish Happy are they who Praise and glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Praise and glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are they who have kept the word with a generous heart and yield a harvest through perseverance. Praise and glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. <clears throat> Jesus. 
Jesus told this parable to those among the Pharisees who loved money. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to, to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so and no one can cross from there to us. The man who had been rich said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Abraham said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. This very colorful and very powerful gospel is always proclaimed during the season of Lent, and I suppose our very first reaction to it is that it calls for us to mind that in Lent we are to have a special concern for those who are poor and struggling and suffering and that we must not ignore them. And part of our sacrificial activity during Lent, whether we are giving up particular foods or saving money in order to put it into a collection of some kind for the poor and those in need, that is all meant to orient us more and more to the suffering crucified Christ, whose face is revealed in his poor. But there are other dynamics at work in Jesus telling this story. And one of them has only occurred to me very recently. I think I have passed over, without really thinking about it very much, one of the first lines in the story. 
Jesus says there was a rich man and he was well dressed and he had, of course, a great deal of wealth and all kinds of possessions and the table was laden down. And it says, and he feasted sumptuously every day. Well, who feasts sumptuously every day? None of us can do that. You couldn't stand to be having a sumptuous feast every single solitary day, no matter what your religious convictions were, or no matter who was lying at the foot of your table. And yet that's exactly what this rich man is depicted as doing. So the very first condemnation that he receives is not because he's rich, but because he is living by excess, by an extraordinary devotion to the pleasures and the goods of this world. And in so doing, he is operating completely opposed to what the law commands about moderation in the way in which one lives. Again, this is without even any relevance to the fact that the poor are being ignored. He himself is not living according to the law. How can he then be pleading with Abraham, the very founder of the whole faith, that he should get a break? He's already chosen to live in excess. Or, as Abraham reminds him, rather unnecessarily, I suppose, you, while you were here on this earth in your lifetime, received your good things. And he might also have added, you took them and you ravaged them and you used them for your own pleasure to an extraordinary excess. And in so doing, you revealed several things. One of them is that you were dependent upon these good things. You were dependent upon what this world would provide. You were not looking to your God. Lazarus, on the other hand, had no choice but to look towards his God for salvation because he wasn't given even the opportunity to be sumptuously fed. So you have done yourself a tremendous disservice by choosing against the best way to live. No wonder he is referred to very pointedly, as the story goes on, as the man who had been rich. A very pointed reminder that our riches do not save us, especially when we have abused them. Of course, another immediate follow-through from that mentality and approach to life is precisely that he was ignoring the poor right at his feet. It isn't so much that he deliberately turned his back on them as that he just didn't even notice them. He didn't even notice that Lazarus was there. So again, the brutal irony that when it's all done and everybody's dead and now facing their judgment, oh, all of a sudden he knows exactly who Lazarus is and he wants Lazarus to come to his aid when he didn't even notice that Lazarus was there during his lifetime here on earth. A very disturbing thing. And of course, there is that whole great divide that Abraham points out. And it is a divide 
between those who have chosen for and those who have chosen against their own personal self-satisfaction and their own sense that they can save themselves by what they have or what they are or what they've accomplished without needing the Lord. This, of course, echoes our first reading and our psalm where there is that great divide revealed. What choice will you make? Do you want the Lord's way or do you want the other way? You must make a choice. Finally, of course, in telling this story, Jesus makes, again, a very pointed point about himself. When it wanders into the whole, oh, send Lazarus down to my five brothers to warn them because they will listen if somebody comes to them from the dead. And Abraham, the very founder of the faith, is depicted as saying, they won't listen if someone comes back from the dead. Jesus is pointing out that they won't listen even if and when he comes back from the dead. Of course they won't. Because conversion of heart requires that we actually make a change in our way of thinking. And what's going to convince us to make a change in our way of thinking if not a profound realization deep within that we are not God, that only he is, and that in humility and in trust we must surrender to him. Then we will discover all the messages from all the law and the prophets and from Jesus before, during, and after his resurrection we will discover it all and be changed by it because we have opened ourselves for that. If one hasn't opened oneself for it at all, what can get through? Nothing. All of these are powerful perspectives that Jesus is making clear by his telling of this story. And it's a very poignant and very necessary reminder to us of how we are to think, how we are to choose, how we are to live. In whom do we put our trust when all is said and done? Our riches, however little or great they might be, or the Lord himself who is the giver of all gifts? It will always be up to us.